You can tell the winter is coming. Fall's in full effect. I'm in my normal drape. But I got I got a stocking cap down in one side over here. I got a robe with a hoodie. Is that a hoodie robe? A hoodie robe up in the other corner? Man, <laughs> yes, everybody, sir, getting, everybody getting bundled up. Yeah, I call myself a little bit of Darth Vader here because I got the hoodie robe and it's dark <laughs> blue, but you know, it's more on the dark side. But oh yeah, I'm ready. It is it is real cold in my apartment right now where I'm at. So yeah, I, they did not cut the heat on. So I gotta make sure I stay nice and bundled up for this episode today. Oh, we've had the heat on for a couple of days. Not my I see I love the fall though. I, I don't mind it getting down to like 40 at night, but give me in the 60s today. Today we mm-hmm. had 68, sunny out. Oh, it was great. If it wasn't for this cold, I'd have been the happiest guy on the planet. Yeah, same. All right. Well, let's get into it, guys. We got a show to do. Thank you for joining us on Running Through the Jungle here on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Brandon Harriet, with your hosts, Justin Lacey and Tim Lyons. What's up, fellas? How you doing, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. Other than what we just briefly talked about, um, it's getting chilly here, you know, out here in the Midwest. I'm in Southwest Ohio and Cincinnati, and man, the weather is kicking my ass right now. I'm over here in the robe while <laughs> we're getting ready to record this episode. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the only one of the three of us in the five one three. We got our boy Tim Lyons holding down the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, to get a little more specific. How's it going up there, Tim? Good. It's been uh, raining all day today. Uh, a little chilly, you know. That's why I got the cap on. You know, I got a shaved head. Got to keep my head my head warm. I don't like anything being being, being cold, especially my head. My head, I hate it cold. But uh, doing good, doing good. Did you shave it just to beat Father Time to it? I did because you know I got a lot of gray hairs coming in, and uh, uh, get out of here. I just said, let's just get the hell out. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I'm wearing my gray with a, like a, a badge of honor, man. I'm 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 headed towards more salt than pepper. That's where I'm. That's where I'm headed. I don't even mind. Yeah. I don't even mind. Yeah, that's the same way with me too. So I apologize uh, ahead of time if you guys hear a little bit i know normally i have a little bit of rasp in my voice but i got a lot of bit of, of a cold going on so i'm playing through though pushing through can't hold me back I'm not the same as playing through broken ribs which hopefully t does um but if you do see me if you're on youtube first of all thank you thumbs up share us out there uh but if you see me mute and uh, grab a Kleenex, mind your business. Um, and then for those of you on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts, 
Make sure you like, subscribe, get those notifications, share us with your friends. We're growing every week, and I can't thank you enough. Much appreciated. Now let's get into some football. Last week, Roaring Reactions was actually fun to do. That was great. Mm-hmm. For sure. We finally got off the schneid. We finally uh, showed, showed signs of life on offense. But although things went right most of the game, defense had some big splash plays. Uh, you know, offense also big splash plays. We won the ball, uh, won the game pretty handily uh, at the end. There were some room for improvement. So that's where I want to start to take this team, continue, build that momentum and keep getting better. Where do you think our, our, our biggest opportunity is uh, to improve on going forward? Tim, I'll start with you. Where would you like to see the team take the next step? I'm going to start off on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'd like to see our offensive line improve a little bit more. Um, you know, there's still questions about Volson and, and his blocking. Um, Jonah Jonah Williams, not Jonah Hill, but Jonah Williams has stepped up on the right tackle side. Um, but I would like to see, but you know, we're also allowing pressure coming off the left side on our uh, Orlando Brown Jr. as well. So, you know, that left side of the field, or excuse me, that left side of the line, I'd, I'd love to see it improve. It, it, uh, you know, this is going to be the true test this weekend because who knows what's going to happen with the Seahawks. But I'd say the offensive line right now. Yeah, you, you know, I what Orlando Brown, I think, has played fairly well um, so, far, so far this year. The problem is, is when he gets beat, I mean, it's a complete whiff. It looks yeah. really bad. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, uh, that guy, that guy actually just got around him. He just is like, oh boy, that guy's past me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I get, I get that concern. And, uh, I think everybody that listens to the show knows how I feel about Volson. If you don't, the guy needs to pick it up. He's, uh, he's yeah. just not cutting a mustard right now in my mind. Justin, what would you like to see the team improve on to take that next step? I'm actually going to go on the other side of the ball and then pick on the defense a little bit because, um, I have been writing them the excuse as they were young, they were growing together, and then the offense didn't do them any favors over the last few weeks. Well, this past game was clear and evident that they got some problems on the run defensive side of the ball. It seems to me that it is to be a league-wide impetus on that. Everybody wants to establish the run, and I get that. The Cardinals are no different in that realm. They operate just like the rest of their NFC West powerhouses and the other teams in their division, uh, the L.A. Rams themselves, the Seattle Seahawks, and obviously the 49ers. They all want to make a strong proponent of running the ball within how the offense is structured around. Not so much the Rams, but they still like to run the ball with Kyron Williams. The Arizona Cardinals, they're a good running team, and we knew that going into the game. But the Bengals, I've always thought that they had a strong um, – they've always made a strong showing of showing how to stop the run, and you're not going to just easily gas just on the ground. But this past week, it just showed me that, yeah, now it's starting to become a bit of a concern. Now, they're still getting making plays. They're still creating turnovers, and they're still getting stops when you absolutely need them the most. But that is the main thing I need to see them get better at is on the run defense. Yeah, I the secret sauce is not to – you don't want – big, splashy plays should really, from your defense, should really put a nail in the coffin. You shouldn't have to rely on it to get the win. You know what I mean? 
if you start doing that, that's that's teetering on an edge of a disaster. Um, you know, I, I think in, in my mind's on defense as well because I think we're going to do the right things on offense. I trust the offense to make the correct um, corrections, if you would, uh, as long as the play calling is good. On defense, I've had some missed tackles, specifically in our secondary. You know, we got Nick Scott. Nick Scott has got seven or eight missed tackles so far this year. You know who else does? Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton, Mike, Mike Hilton has almost as many missed tackles now as he did all of last year. For Very sure. unlike him, and we need him to be Mike Hilton. We need mm-hmm. him to fly around. Kind of like Dax Hill is now in that hybrid spot and moving around. We need Mike Hilton to be able to go up that line of scrimmage and make a tackle on a running back. That's a huge difference for the way our team plays. We're not built to be giants in the middle. You know, we kind of have those same um, 290 to 315, 20. We don't have the big run stuffer. That's not the way we kind of um, built our defense. I get the way we're built. In order to do that, we got to have those hybrid guys that actually make tackles, not just get there. So that that's my two cents on uh, taking that next step. And, and hopefully we get at least some of those come to fruition and uh, we have another good Sunday coming up. So in the Roaring Reactions, we did not cover the coach's cliff notes. Uh, for those of you who have not checked us out there, I highly suggest you do. If it's a one o'clock game, we normally go at halftime of the four thirty game. If it's a four o'clock game, we go uh, or Monday night or whatever. We go uh, right after the game's over. Those four o'clock games are all over uh, before the Sunday night game goes on. So that's what we did last week. So in order to do so, we didn't have chance to go over the coach's cliff notes. The coach's cliff notes, basically you don't have to sit there and try and hold your ear up because our audio, for whatever reason, is horrific on these um, on these coaches and uh, Joe Burrow press conferences. I, I, for the love of God, I don't know why you can't hear anything. Um, I, I just think they have to want you to not hear anything. So what we're doing is we're getting all this information. We're pulling it back together. We listen to it. We cut out the red tape. We talk about it ahead of time, and we give you the the meat on the bone right there, so that you have one bite, and you can kind of know what what the what the good stuff was to take away from those press conferences. Zach Taylor is where I'm going to start. He said, "It's good to be back. Good to be back in the winning column, right?" But he talked about how the team had been pressing, been tight. They weren't themselves, including me, he said. That's the biggest takeaway for me because he's been giving us way too much coach speak. He's not been um, taking accountability. This he talked about how, including himself and play calling, things like that, he'd been tight. He hadn't been letting it rip. Tim, I know you uh, were watching it. Made a couple comments on there. What did you have to think about? You know, one prop I do want to give Zach is he 
you know, he, like Brandon said, it, he took accountability for, you know, being a little stiff about play calling and all that. Um, one thing that shocked me was when uh, Joe Burrow scrambled, was scrambling out of the pocket and they did not want him going anywhere. They're like, no, 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 no. And yeah. Zach actually mentions that in the actual conference. He's like, no, what are you doing? And Joe's like, hey, it was there, so I went. Yeah, he so, was um, – he's talking about the the scramble where he threw the touchdown to Chase in the back of the end zone. He scrambled out mm-hmm. to his right. He said the whole coaching staff was screaming no, no, no in their headsets. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Joe's turned off at that point in time. But uh, – but yeah, it's funny that they they all were yelling it in their headsets, not wanting him to scramble away. I mean, that that guy's your season, right? You don't want him to. Mm-hmm. Whew, you don't want him to to tweak that again. But luckily, he looked good, did some scrambling, and 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 things worked out. Mm-hmm. Justin, any yeah. takeaway from from Zach's comments before we get into Joe? Yeah, um, it's basically I also want to just allude to that. You know, taking ownership about when he could have gotten better—that's it's—that's just perfectly right for me too, because you want that coach to feel like that he can get better. It's not just about his message across the team that he's going to apply to himself as well too. Looking in the mirror, um, and as far as it goes for you know that play, the scramble play that everybody you know the coach staff was talking about. He also recognized that when you got a player of an elite caliber and somebody as special as Joe Burrow, you don't want to ever take that away from them. You know, mm-hmm. that you want them to feel empowered that they can do whatever it takes to go out there and win the game. Because at the end of the day, the definition of being a Bengal is a tough, hungry, accountable teammate that's going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. That's the message that they have been speaking, and that is what they've always constantly lived by within that locker room. So Kudos to him for recognizing that and challenging his own standards to himself and living up to it. So I, I respect it. Yeah, he did say um, – he did mention if you, when you have a great quarterback, they're going to make a couple plays a game that you're going to be screaming no to and they just got to let them go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Kudos kudos there. And it, you know, I've been, I've been critical uh, from time to time on Coach Taylor, but I – I want him to take this accountability. I want, and we're watching him grow as a coach too. He's only been a head coach for what five years now. He's only been here. He's had, you know, learn through this. And uh, if you can hear that howling in the background, I apologize. That's the puppy, man. He wants. He wants. He wants to. He can hear dad's voice. Mom's not home. <laughs> He's gonna howl. Ugh. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, that's one of those things where he's growing. I really like his growth as a coach. I love the whole game ball to the to the bars around town and doing mm-hmm. that whole thing. Some of the things he said, uh, disagreements, right, with um, earlier in in the preseason with um, with Jamar Chase, and then to talk about how what leadership he's showing now, and that he should want the ball, that he should say those kind of things he should be like you should be frustrated if you're not playing up to your to your standards right so Mm -hmm. i i i i I like coach a lot and uh, i really like seeing this um i hope he's here for a long time has a great career i hope he gets to touch the trophy some point in time i'm one thing i'll add to it as well too when it comes to zach taylor this fan needs to understand that he has endeared himself greatly in the city 
You already mentioned that he has started the ritual with the game balls at the playoff performances um, at the bars and stuff. But we we are so hell-bent on not repeating the Marvin Lewis brigade of a coach getting stale in their messages, but just still staying in their job for 16 years like he did. And we're always looking forward to pairing up Joe Burrow with an elite name. And sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes what you got to do is develop that very same elite name in your own house. I am a proponent to believe that if Zach Taylor were to ever have gotten fired from here, Sean McVay, who he actually came from, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me while I cough into the mic, Sean McVay would probably hire him back as an offensive coordinator to take away play calling duties from him because he know he will excel in that. And then guess what? If he becomes a future head coach for another organization, and turn them around, then you guys will be kicking yourselves thinking, oh, man, see, we never would should have gotten rid of Zach Taylor. Sometimes you just got to let people marinate and bake and learn on the job. People are giving Andy Reid his flowers now because of him winning a couple of championships, and that's because of Patrick Mahomes. Before Patrick Mahomes got there, I don't think anybody gave Andy Reid his flowers when he had Alex Smith. They damn sure didn't give him his flowers when he was in Philadelphia. In fact, he got fired from there so he couldn't win the, the big one he, he couldn't win a big one at all and he got I, and i just remember those eagles days when he got to i think it was four straight nfc championship games and couldn't still to deal with either one of them we don't obviously want to have those failures at a high level when we get to those stages and those points but at the end of the day the head coach he's trying to he's trying to build something special here and it's it's going to take time it's already working we've been successful so I think Zach Taylor is doing just fine. I don't, I'm not going to be one of those people that if we have a bad couple of games or a bad stretch and have that lull like we just have so far during the early portion of the season, to scream, oh, fire Zach Taylor, get him out of here. His stuff is sounding like Mark. I'm not on that with any of the fans. Just not. I think it'll be clearly evident when you're ready to move on from a guy like Zach Taylor, and it'll just be well known. I just had to say that. Sorry. No, absolutely, man. Um I agree with you. I agree with you. Like I said, I want him to succeed. I, I really like, I love those comments because I think it's watching the evolution, right? Watching the evolution. I, and I think mm -hmm. we need that. Um, Joe Burrow, a uh, couple comments stand, uh, stood out for me. One, I know we're all going to be in agreement in, and I, everybody's going to love this out of their quarterback is, you know, he said it was great to get a win, but we still left yards out on the field. And we left points out on the field. It's so good to get a win, but we still need to improve. It's a guy that's got a high bar set for himself and for the team, and he's going to keep pushing to get there. Love that. The other comments that I had that were a little bit off script, and I haven't brought these up backstage to either one of you. I hope you watched it and I hope you got to see it. But the hoodie he was wearing, um, that got a lot of chatter or whatever. Mm -hmm. He put he, he put gave a shout out to his boy, I think it was Matt, that he went to high school with, made that for uh -huh. him. Makes clothing. Yeah, uh -huh. I thought that was yeah. cool. Then the other even mm -hmm. cooler statement is in the shoes my buddy Scott gave to me. You probably know him as Kid Cuddy. Kid Cuddy, yeah. <laughs> Yep. I, uh, thought I didn't even know his name was Scott. I did not yeah. know his name was Scott until he name dropped him like that. 
I promise yeah. you. And I listen to a lot of Kid Cudi's music too myself, but yeah. I did not know his name was Scott. I didn't really. He's know. like, yeah, I have that great, was, I have great funny. friends. I have great yeah, friends. Like my, it, it, yeah, like my friends dress me. You know, they're just great friends, great friends. And it, you know, Joe is Joe. You know, Joe is you know is very private. You know, it keeps to himself. You don't see a lot of us. His, you know, see a lot about him on the news about anything besides his press conferences. You know, some commercials, and that's it. But it's just great to see that he's just like, you know what, my friends dress me. You know what, yeah. I, hey, I look good. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, you probably know him as Kid Cuddy. He's not afraid yeah, to give the whole world knows him as Kid Cuddy, Joe. <laughs> the whole world, exa exactly. The whole world knows him as Kid. I was like, Scott, <laughs> his name is Scott. Well, but what? that's just speaks to Burrow and how his character is, man. Like, he's not afraid yeah. to give his old buddies from high school a shout out. Because you know he understands where these where he came from. He understands mm -hmm. that just because he's formulated these new relationships, these new friendships, you know, with big time people, he's still a normal guy. At least that's how he carries himself. Just a normal guy with very high standards, and we also hold him to a high standards on the pedestal. So look, man, yeah. I, he he represents exactly to what the city is and what we embody here in Cincinnati, man. There's somebody that is just look. We know we're big time in a sense in other lights. But at the end of the day, we still got small town love, you know, because we are a small town. So we're the yeah. big little city, as what my dad likes to call it. Hey, I, I listen, I saw that sweatshirt tweeted. I saw uh, comments made on national networks about it. Like, this is my buddy from high school made it for me. It was awesome. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Well, before we get into um, our breakdown, of the week six matchup versus the Seahawks, which I know Tim has a very high vested interest in living out there outside of Seattle. Um, we're going to take a quick break and pay some bills. So if you're on YouTube, stick with us for about three seconds. If you're listening to our podcast, thank you very much. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Running Through the Jungle. I'm your host, Brandon Harriet, with your host, Tim Lyons and Justin Lacey. Time to do the preview. Week six, we're going to talk about the same things now. I, I finally hashed it out. This is our first year, our first season. So just like our offense, you've had to watch us grow a little bit. We're getting it down. We're getting some names down now of, of different segments and things like that. So what you're going to see, you're going to see key concerns of your opponent coming up. You're going to see keys to victory for the Cincinnati Bengals. Then you're going to see your offensive and defensive game balls and game predictions from each one of us. So Seattle's coming off a pretty impressive win, 24-3 to against the New York football Giants. Tim? What are your key concerns about these Seattle Seahawks, or as I believe you like to refer to them, the mud chickens or something like that? What do you call them? Sea chickens. Chicken. Sea chickens. Sea chickens. chickens. Got it. <laughs> so uh, my, my major concerns are, uh, you know, Geno Smith, he's been playing pretty solid ball. He's only had, allowed one interception. Um, I think he's averaging 211 yards per game. Um, also, the rushing yards that the Seahawks are are producing, uh, they're averaging over 100 yards a game. 
Um, of course, my concern is, is, is our rush defense going to show up and, and shut them down? And we've allowed over 100 yards every single game that we've played in. Um, pass defense for us, I'm not that too concerned about it. Yeah, they got DK Metcalf. Yeah, they got uh, Lock, Tyler Lockett. Um, both are both of them are talented. I'm not I'm not cutting, you know, if any Seahawks fans are listening out there, I'm not cutting the Seahawks. I'm not saying that they're they, you know, they're they're nothing, but Lockett and DK are great wide receivers. Um, I think uh that D, uh, DK is averaging like 80 yards a game and Lockett's averaging like 60 some yards a game. I can't remember the stat is off the top of my head. Um but I'm not really too concerned about the, their passing game. What I'm really concerned about is their rushing game. And then their uh, front six or seven. Um, you know, as we know, there's only five men up on the offensive line for us guarding them. And then they're blitzing six or seven guys. You know, are they going to do that again? You know, like I was watching a Pete Carroll conference the other day and he said, they asked him the question of, um, you know, is this something that could happen again? And Pete Carroll goes, no, I think that was just a, uh, you know, just a great, a great moment. And, you know, it could happen again, and and it might not ever happen again. But it, it is a concern of mine, you know, because we when we played against the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans, they're blitzing six or seven guys. You know, is our offensive line going to finally stand their ground and and protect Joe Burrow? That is huge for us. If we can get that time in the pocket. Joe Burrow can pop off for 300 plus yards, three or four touchdowns, and we can win this game easily. You know, Joe Mixon could open the game for us too. Um, so those are my concerns. Is like I said, offensive line standing their ground, and our defense, uh, rush defense, stopping their rush. Both good. Both good uh, concerns for sure. Uh, some of those I share. Justin, do you share those or uh, got some? Key concerns of your own. You know, I do share a little bit of some of that, but I do have a, I have other overlaying differences that kind of give me a like a broader spectrum of this Seattle team. Now, I think it's very important to know that this is not the Seattle Seahawks from the Legion of Boom era. Okay, that team is long gone. They're never coming back. They don't have the same guys on the defensive side of the ball that can equal up to the Richard Shermans of the world in his prime, the Camp Chancellors of the world, Byron Maxwell. They don't have those guys. However, I kind of really do like their corners. Uh, Tariq Woolen, um, he's he's a, he's a fast guy, and I think that he is one guy that can lock down one of our better receivers. Let's say Jamar Chase. He can follow receiver uh, Jamar Chase, and you know play on the island with. Him. I'm not saying that Jamar is going to get stopped by him per se, but I think I really like what Tariq Woolen has done, and. They have a lot of speed on the defensive line. When I did watch them against the Giants, albeit I know it's the Giants, and they had a really bad day at the office. It seemed like their left tackle couldn't block. <laughs> they couldn't block even a little baby coming through their line because it was just Daniel Jones just had a bad day with those 11 sacks. Um, it, it still didn't take away from the fact of how quick those defensive ends got to the quarterback, even if Daniel Jones didn't get sacked. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Daniel Jones was pretty mobile. And I understand Joe Burrow finally forgot his sea legs under him this past game against the Cardinals. But, man, Daniel Jones is pretty mobile, and he got hit and sacked 11 times. And that doesn't even include the fact that how many times he was running for his life and had to throw it out of bounds. Seattle's defensive front scares me a little bit because I do not know 
how well this offensive line of ours is gelling together. Now, I do like Orlando Brown Jr. on the end. I also do like Jonah Williams. He is filled in quite nicely on the right side. But the interior is the main piece that I think we all can agree that the net, that needs a little bit of work. They're a hell of a different group for what they performed last year onto this year. Whether if it's Cordovos or Alex Capital to take care, you know, those three guys, they, they got a lot to work with together. Even though we do like Alex Kappa and we do like um, Ted Cares, Volson, he has some growing pains. It's it's clearly showing that he's going through a little bit of a sophomore slump early in this season, in his second year in the uh, career in the NFL. But I will stick with those. You know, the corners, I feel like that they can absolutely man up with our receivers because as much as our Bengals fans love to say that our receiving trio is one of the best in the league, they also got a great corner, you know, group there too. That this, some of those, some of their guys, can follow our guys and play and kind of play a stronger prevent defense, kind of like what Cleveland did in Week One. So I will stick with those two as my main concerns. My biggest concern is um, the Seattle is seventeenth in rushing. Um per game. So I, I don't think they're going to gash us. Let's put it this way. Against the Cardinals, if you take out the reverse from Moore and you take out one run um, from uh, Connor, we gave up 3.3 the rest of the game. Uh, so we got to make sure we don't get a gadget play. Uh, uh, gadget plays have been catching us. I, I want to make sure I preface it that. But my biggest thing is 11 sacks against the Giants last week. Can't happen. No, Joe Burrow's health—that uh, can't happen. Um, now I, I feel more confident with Joe being able to get off the spot and stuff like that. But my biggest concern is you cannot get them and let them just peel back their ears and go after Joe all day. Like that can't happen. And that trickles into my key to victory. I know you like their corners and that tall corner. I, I mean, I like him too, but numbers don't lie. Seattle is 30th in the league in pass defense, giving up 280 yards a game. That's after giving up 134, 136, excuse me, last week to the Giants. They were giving up 300 a game. So something's not gelling right in there. Um, uh, the safety Adams is questionable. They got some guys dinged up on both the offense and defense. Now that said, my concern is actually with play calling and coaching. Don't read that and get too overzealous and over happy and think we're going to throw the ball 60 times. Still have to stay balanced on offense. We still have to stay committed to the run still want to see over 20 run, runs in this game. I think if we do that, we can keep them from rushing the edges or just mm -hmm. up the middle. If they're starting to run up the middle, then do some of that um, uh, misdirection running that we did a lot in the preseason and we started to see a few of last week. So that's my key concern. It goes right into my key to victory. I'm going to throw it right back in reverse order. Justin, what's your key to victory? 
Let Joe cook, man. Um, obviously, he definitely found this rhythm and his groove against the Cardinals. But that doesn't mean let him throw for 100 times this game. I absolutely agree with you because that was going to be my next point. And I'm not going to rule for you, Tim, because I'm going to tee it up for you because we know what you're about to say. So yeah. you got to stay balanced. You have to have a balance in attack. But be more versatile when you do run the ball. You know, start including those reverse runs and stuff like that in there. Because I'm gonna tell you one thing, Seattle's doing it. They're they're doing some, they're doing jet sweeps, they're doing motions because their offensive line is but listen to me, Bengals fans. Okay, Seattle does not have a good O-line either. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ours is better than theirs, but yet they're finding a way to make it work by getting getting their best players the ball on the ground. Kenneth Walker's rushing pretty much at a high level this season. I think that we can do the exact same thing, too. However, the difference is I trust Joe Burrow more than I trust Geno Smith. And I love Geno Smith's story. I'm glad that he won comeback player of the year because it wasn't no injury type of year. It was uh, you guys rolled him off and then he didn't write back and then he popped up and show up and show out. And I love that story from him. And I think he will continue that to a large degree this season. The Seattle team is not just not nothing to play with. But I think that if you just trust in Joe Burrow and let him cook and let him be able to pick his poison against that defense, I truly believe that it's going to be a long day for the Seahawks then at that point. So that's where my number one key to victory. almost feel like a cop-out answer because I'm saying Joe Burrow. But given from what we've seen so far this translate this season, I'm now in the rhythm of trusting Joe Burrow that he is going to be okay, even though I do need to see the coaching staff still kind of protect him a little bit so not make him think like oh i can i can just skydive ball one two now now that i feel like i'm fully healthy no you ain't there yet but you're still the quarterback and you still you're still the guy and i i could also along those lines you're saying get um thing outside the box with your running and whatnot a team that's coming off 11 sacks that's uber aggressive reverse fakes fake the jet sweep throw a um uh, like a screen pass to the to the weak side, like those are things that'll help keep them all, like more honest as well. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim, tell us why we got to run the damn ball. You know, I'm gonna start my segment off this way. Okay, so you know, you guys asked me key concerns. Well, this is my key, my key to success here, Seattle against the Rams allowed Puka 119 receiving yards. Atwell had 119 receiving yards as well against the, the Seahawks when they played the Rams. Ahmad St. Brown had 102 receiving yards. Josh Reynolds had 66 yards and two tutties. When the Seahawks played the Panthers, Adam Thielen carved them up for 11 receptions, 145 yards, and one touchdown. And old DJ Shark 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 had four receptions for 86 yards and one touchdown. I know on paper, we can say the corners match up well against our offense, you know, our wide receivers, our tight ends. On paper, we can make anything look like a gem. So I think my key, our key to success is going to be, you know, putting Jamar Chase in slot, the X, the Y, uh, putting him in motions, um, running the ball, you know, just like Brandon said, keep them honest, keep the defensive ends from just because, you know, Seahawks play, the Seahawks play very, very fast football. They, they're a fast team. They are a very fast team. Um, if we 
mix that up, give them some different looks, run the ball 20 times, I think we will have success on Sunday against the Seahawks in Cincinnati. And we're also at home. So that's another key to our victory is that we are at home. We cannot let them come into our home and beat us. And I know this is the NFL. And like Brandon like always likes to say is this, it takes two teams to play football. I think the Bengals are going to end up being the better, the better team on Sunday. All right. Well, I think you were kind of foreshadowing uh, some game ball action there. Uh, so I, I'm going to run that. I'm going to run it right back around the opposite order. I'll let you go ahead and start off. Offensive game ball, defensive game ball, and your game predictions to wrap us up with these uh, th- this uh, overview of the Seahawks week six. Tim, who you got? Offensive game ball. My, off- my offensive game ball goes to Joe. I don't know which Joe yet because I, I am sitting here going, is Joe Burrow going to have a 300-yard you know, game? three touchdowns, four touchdowns, you know, is he going to just light it up for us? Or am I sitting there going, you know, is it going to be Joe Mixon's turn? You know, is Joe Mixon going to rush for 100 yards, two touchdowns? You know, I said, Joe, I'm going to say Joe Burrow is my offensive game ball for this week. Uh, Defensive-wise, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here. And I know we've been seeing Nick Scott and uh, Battle came in, you know, for him. You know, some on uh, Sunday as well played pretty good ball. Um, you know, my whole thought on Nick Scott is is I'm not too I'm not too sure about him. He kind of plays. I think to me, I'm not saying he's scared, but he kind of plays scared, or he's just not tough enough. And Jordan Battle. Or and yeah, Jordan Battle. He is young. He is. He's got that toughness in him. And I know Lou said that he was gonna. They're gonna mix them in and out. You know, mix those two. You know, the whole game. So you know what? I'm gonna give it to Battle. Is gonna get my defensive game ball this week. Ooh. All right. All right. All right. Justin Lacey. Oh wait, Tim, you didn't give me a game prediction. What do you got at the score? I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm going to say the score is 31-17 Bengals. Oh, I hope you're right. It'll be another good post game. That will be in one hell of a post game because I will be super exuberantly ecstatic about that. And uh, I'm actually going to say something before I get into my game balls and score prediction. I did literally forget that Andy Dalton just carved this defense up two yeah. weeks prior. <laughs> I literally forgot that. He sure did. Because remember, Bryce Young was out, and then yep. Andy Dalton had to do through for like uh, 349 yards or whatever the case it may be. They still yeah. lost, obviously. But yeah. Andy Dalton also have had major success against that Seattle's de- uh, defense. And it ain't like that Andy is any super mobile or anything like that either. Red rifle. Yeah, but he rifled up that defense even though they still lost. But I get what you guys are saying now about the corners. I think we put too much – I think what I'm doing – I'm not going to speak for you guys – putting way too much stock into their game against the Giants um, when that might be an outlier as we look back on it. But anyways, as far as my offensive game game ball prediction goes, I'm actually going to go Tyler Boyd. I think this is finally the week he gets in the end zone in front of the home crowd. 
Um, he should have gotten the end zone last week, but that touchdown got called back because of a dumb penalty. Otherwise, he would have had a TD, and it would have been Joe Burrow's fourth one. Um, I just think that it's he's well due for a big game, and he hasn't really been a factor so far this season, but people have literally forgotten all about Tyler Boyd. People have thrown up Yoshi's name, Charlie Jones's name, um, Trent Irwin's name because he got a high career high of eight targets. But no one has talked about Tyler Boyd, and he's still one of the big, big, the big dogs of the trio at the receiving position. So I'm going to go with him as my offensive game ball prediction. As far as my defense game ball prediction, I'm going to use DJ Reader because – if we're going to be successful against this team, we need to be able to slow down Kenneth Walker. Now, that's going to pain me to say that because I actually have Kenneth Walker drafted in my fantasy league, and he's been doing pretty well for me. But when it comes to my fan, when it comes to my overall team fandom of the Bengals, I don't care not one iota about my fantasy league. So Kenneth Walker, I don't care if you get two yard, two points. I, I don't care as long as my team wins. Now, I think DJ Reader is up to the challenge. I think that he will light a fire under that defensive line to let them know that we got to slow down this run game. I don't necessarily run about, worry about the pass rush too much, but I think that DJ Reader is going to show that he's still worthy of an extension or a contract or just being one of the leaders up front and that, hey, you, we heard you. The run defense hasn't been pretty good. We understand it. We saw it. We felt it during last week's game and throughout the rest of the season. We're going to get it right. And I think that they probably will. Um, that's where I'm kind of leaning. And as far as my score prediction, now I'm not going to be over exasperatedly confident and predict the 31 to 17, although I wish like hell that that would happen. I'm going to stick more along the lines of maybe 26 to 22. I think that we do win. Um, it's going to be a battle. I don't think it's going to be a close. I don't think it's going to be like a comfortable win by any means. It's going to be a battle to the point where I think that how we get to the 26th point would be we're probably down late and we have to score a touchdown to get, take the lead and win the game. I'm going to stick with that. I like it. I've been staying on mute because I've got a howling puppy in the background, but <laughs> I'll get this. Uh, I'll get through this offensive game ball. Lacey right there with you. I got TB, eight catches, 113 yards, two tutties, because I think they're going to make sure that Jamar Chase does not beat them because of last week. And I think they'll have him bracketed a lot of the game. So anytime that he goes deep, I think you're going to see Tyler Boyd come underneath. Um, and I think Tyler Boyd, that middle of that field, if they're starting to blitz people, will also be open for quick uh, – Quick hitters, so I like Tyler Boyd to have his breakout game for the season. And uh, Tim, taking your guy. <laughs> because of the running game that Seattle runs, they do a lot of uh, a lot of that zone-wide running, right? And they get the guys mm -hmm. out to the, to the edge of the tackles. Like it's going to be very important to, A, set that edge, and, B, um, get down the line and, and make those tackles. I think you're going to see Sam Hubbard had an excellent game. I, I, I've got it for eight tackles, a tackle for a loss, and one and a half sacks because they're going to try and get a, 
a, a naked boot on one of them, and he's just going to be standing right in Gino's back pocket. And then I think him and uh, I think him and Trey will meet at the quarterback once too. So I got uh, eight tackles, tackle for loss, one and a half sacks in the Bengals, twenty-eight to twenty-four win at home in Seattle. Take the over, take the Bengals, cash some checks. That's what I got. Is that what you put uh, on your pay dirt episode? Absolutely not. I stay away from bet- betting the Bengals <laughs> at all costs. I got to have some real good insight in order to bet the Bengals or Michigan for that matter. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. Uh, ESPN is really not doing us very much of good favors. There's Because we're right now, I believe we're two and a half point favorites. But they're giving the FPI index for them. For, this is ESPN. That is giving the, the Seahawks, I think, a 56% chance of winning. That they believe that, that the Seahawks are going to pull off the win. And I think that that means that they're advising the bet the Seahawks on the spread or the Seahawks on the money line if you want to make more money. So I'm with you. I'm staying away from this game as a better um, because I do think the Bengals, I think they've righted the ship last week. But I also can see the Seahawks winning this game too, man. I, again, I'm not going to be a homer. And not make sure, yeah, it's, it's going to be a battle to me, I think. And I feel like that this will be one hell of a test as we complete the last couple weeks against the NFC West. We got to come out with a win out of this thing. But if we don't win off of a nice, hard-fought game, it's not the end of the world. It just means you got to lick your wounds going to buy and fix some things up, man. So um, that's where I end it for now. Tim, parting shot for you. I just need a W today or on Sunday, excuse me. You know, I got a lot of, like I said, I got a lot of Seahawks fans around me. I am in the enemy territory right here. Uh, you know, I, I know my game prediction is probably going to give me some heat at the dentist office tomorrow or my mother-in-law or wherever I'm at, uh, you know, but uh, I need a Bengals W. And like I've, like I've said before, and I'll say it again, we, th- this is a must, must win for us. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, Joe Burrow's turned around. You know, I know there's a lot of, you know, um, the media's, second guessing oh is is, are the Bengals back are the Bengals back um you know I'm a Bengals fan and and it looks promising it does look promising um so I'm going to just say that uh good luck to the Bengals and the Seahawks it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough game um but I'm hoping that uh, we pull out the W I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with this and this I want to preface it this if we stay healthy if we stay healthy I told you last week, what what can you do with a stock? You can either short it or you can buy low, buy more and double down. I'm going to say this. Now it's a more of a uh, blackjack analogy. Double down on the Bengals. Double down on the Bengals. I'm telling you, the team is good. They didn't get bad overnight. They haven't lost enough pieces. The pieces that they lost that they had to replace are playing as good as anybody on that defense right now. Dax Hill's playing as good as anybody on that defense right now. They're going to right this ship. Stick it out with them. Double down on them. We're going to get this W of Seattle. And get Joe off his, off his calf for two weeks. 
That's my that's my parting shot. So for Tim Lyons, Justin Lacey, I'm Brandon Harriet, aka B Dirt. You can catch me on Pay Dirt. You can uh, catch us on the Roaring Reactions. Go see our boy Chase Younce on Cut to the Chase. The Run It Through the Jungle Network has you covered for all your Bengals needs. And if you want to spy on some other teams, go on a Fans First Sport Network. Go around, check out everybody out there. They got some really good shows, actually. Uh, my boy Pay does a great job over at the Bear Claw. Um, and you'll see me on the Steel Curtain Network, too, behind enemy territory over there, uh, cutting it up about the AFC North with those fellas uh, on the homies. So check us out. The homies after party or overtime always kinds of get uh, gets a little funky on a Friday night. So check those out. I appreciate you guys. Make sure you still hit that like button. Make sure you give us those five-star ratings. Make sure you share us with your friends. And we'll catch you next week when we are running through the jungle. Hello.